Hey everybody and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Liquidware and Goliath Technologies. If you happen to be going to Atlanta this week for Citrix Synergy, make sure to check them out. And now for some news. I'd like to start this week with my first ever correction on the podcast. On last week's episode, I reported on a story from MMS in Minnesota that there were some reports at the event that a Microsoft representative stated AppV would ship with Windows 10 through 2020, suggesting that it could be deprecated. It was also stated that AppV is no longer being actively developed. I got corrected by the AppV and MSIX PM at Microsoft, Andrew Clinic, on this. There is no plan right now to deprecate AppV. You can also convert from AppV to MSIX. The only real news was that AppV will not be actively developed, which most in the community realized about two or three years ago anyway. I've covered MSIX a lot on this podcast. I'm optimistic that with time to mature, it could become an asset to all of us working in app packaging and deployment. I apologize for jumping on something that I saw on social media reported by somebody at MMS. It obviously was not as loaded a statement by the Microsoft representative as I had been maybe led to believe. So sorry about that. And now on to the reason why this week's episode of the podcast was so delayed. On Wednesday, Microsoft publicized the May patches, which included patches for Windows XP and Server 2003. Just over two years after WannaCry that had many IT pros rocking back and forth in the fetal position, a new worm was exposed that could take advantage of some of the terminal services or remote desktop services components in older operating systems like XP, 2003, Windows 7, and Windows Server 2008 R2. The vulnerability CV-2019-0708 at the time of me scripting this podcast, has no known exploits yet. KrebsOnSecurity.com reported that the vulnerability is pre-authentication and requires no user interaction, so certainly if it does get exploited, it's a pretty serious risk. They'll be able to leverage it with no indication to your end users or anyone on your machines. As part of the May patches, Microsoft released 16 updates targeting at least 79 security holes in Windows. And at least a quarter of them deal with pretty dire critical bugs. And critical bugs are those that can be exploited by malware or bad actors to break into vulnerable systems remotely without any help from users. One of the critical updates fixes a zero-day vulnerability, CVE-2019. 0863 in the Windows Error Reporting Service. And that one has actually already been exploited and targeted in attacks. The KB you'll want to look for after installing patches on your 2008 R2 and Windows 7 SP1 machines is KB4499164. From an IT worker perspective, when WannaCry hit, there was a brief moment of hesitation with management trying to grasp the significance and most organizations started patching when they saw the news of other organizations getting breached and being held up for Bitcoin ransomware. 
and most started their patching around the Friday, which meant many of us were working late into the Friday night or over the weekend when that occurred. Something that was different with WannaCry, as I recall it, was that if people had patched with March patches for all of their systems but XP in 2003, they were safe. Companies who even stayed a month behind on patches could have been okay. The real mad panic was for those legacy operating systems still out there and for anyone who was behind on patches in general. I think one net positive or silver lining for me at least is that I think management had WannaCry in their memory bank pretty fresh and took quick decisive action which meant two days of rushing out May patches a little earlier than maybe we normally would have was better than working all weekend furiously trying to patch anything and everything. Patching was also taken more seriously post WannaCry, so I think most organizations have a better handle on it this time. Sophos reported overall about the May patch Tuesday, stating that one of the 79 vulnerabilities that I just mentioned that was patched was a processor logic flaw that allows computer programs to steal each other's data. It was discovered by researchers at the Graz University of Technology and KU Leuven, and the attack is able to read data between different threads, which are separate programs running on the same physical computer core. It's being known as Zombie Load, which is a microarchitectural data sampling or MDS vulnerability, and it shares some characteristics with Spectre Meltdown. It is a flaw in Intel's processor hardware, meaning that it affects any operating systems running on x86 or 32-bit chips, including Windows. If you needed any more reason to patch as soon as possible, you may need some counseling. And also stay tuned if you're a Mac user because this is going to be relevant to you a little bit later too. Last week, ZDNet reported that hackers were actively attacking some SharePoint servers to gain access to corporate and government networks according to recent security advisories sent out by the Canadian and Saudi Arabian cybersecurity agencies. The attackers were using the exploit to run arbitrary code in the context of the SharePoint application pool and the SharePoint server farm account. This vulnerability has also been patched via CVE-2019-0604, which patches actually rolled out in February, March, and April. If you run Microsoft SharePoint Enterprise Server version 2016, Microsoft SharePoint Foundation 2013 SP1, Microsoft SharePoint Server 2010 SP2, or Microsoft SharePoint Server 2019, you'll want to get those patching now to those patch levels. If patches can't be applied in your organization, you're advised to put vulnerable SharePoint servers behind a firewall accessible on internal networks only. It's obviously not going to be a great solution, but it is a somewhat brief respite. On Ars Technica, there was a report that Advanced Intelligence, which is a threat research company, reported on hackers that are currently trying to market data from data breaches of three US-based antivirus software vendors. The group call themselves FXMSP, and they are selling both source code and network access to the companies for $300,000, and are even providing samples to show that they have evidence for their claims. The vendors have been notified along with the FBI. 
The group in question has a history and reputation as they were previously linked to selling data from the massive Marriott Starwood breach. Rather interestingly, the article does go on to suggest that the group may have stopped posting on forum sites and have reverted to communicating via Cisco Jabber and now make their offers for selling this data private. And I told you Mac users to hold on and it's for this story because this week really sucked. Intel also disclosed this week their vulnerabilities related to their microarchitectural data sampling or MDS as I said. And in response, Apple sent out an advisory suggesting performance for Mac users may reduce by up to 40% for some users. If you run 7th gen hardware and below, you could be impacted. WCCF Tech report that Intel hyper-threading is the feature most closely associated with the MDS attack vector, and while turning it off won't keep you completely safe, it will protect you from this particular variant. Obviously, doing so will have a pretty drastic effect on performance, and turning off hyper-threading will not protect you against the rest of the speculative execution-related threads. There is no real point in doing so, according to WCCF Tech, as you'll still be vulnerable to the other speculative execution-related threads, and the performance cost is going to be pretty major if you're not on the latest hardware. Man, it's been a rough week. Keeping somewhat security related, if you're not sick of that yet, Forbes has reported that Microsoft have confirmed their intent to replace Windows 10 passwords. They suggested Microsoft has done this quietly, which is kind of suspicious because if you listen to this podcast each week, you'll know that this has actually been talked about by Microsoft since 2018 and is something I've covered on multiple episodes. In fact, as pointed out to me by a Microsoft developer, there's a public Microsoft article that was published in August of 2018 stating the intent, so it's not really news, but I saw many were sharing this on social media, so you might just see the headline and think, oh, like this is a revelation. Uh, It's not really, and if you've been using Windows 10, you'll know already this move has been underway. VMware announced they are set to acquire Bitnami, who are proclaimed as a leader in application packaging solutions, providing the largest catalog of click-to-deploy applications and development stacks for major cloud and Kubernetes environments. So if you're like excited, yay, I won't have to package applications anymore, and you package applications today for your end users, eh, not so much. As you may expect, with the add-on of major cloud and Kubernetes there, this is a container focus from what I could tell, And most of the applications available are those which are also featured on Docker Hub. So a lot of developer tools, a lot of um, server-side applications. Things are great for microservices. It's interesting to see VMware make this leap. Obviously a company with a large stake in many areas of virtualization with a strong cloud story as they have. It makes a lot of sense. And it seems they continue to build an impressive list of capabilities and their tech stack. Security expert and genius Patrick Koble, our VDI hacker on Twitter, is set to release the first chapter of his upcoming book titled The VDI Lockdown. He'll be releasing the first chapter of the book during Citrix Synergy next week. If you are there, you can pick it up courtesy of ControlUp, iGel Technology, Liquidware, and Nutanix. Also a side note, but I actually had the honor of interviewing Patrick on the Frontline Chatter podcast. 
I'll share the link for that interview with this week's episode, which is episode 72, under reference links on 5bytespodcast.com, or you can find it in the description of this episode on YouTube or in your podcast platform of choice. Master Packager are continuing to blow up on the packaging scene by doing something a lot of packaging ISE vendors have not done in the past. They're providing awesome packaging tips and resources completely free. By the way, another new version of the tool did just release with some PowerShell tweaks for your custom actions. But I'd rather talk about the fact they released a how-to for creating an MST for the Microsoft Teams MSI package for VDI. And they even provide an MST that you could just download and use yourself. Great job, Master Packager. It's really refreshing to see somebody doing this. Bass Van Cam posted a great blog post about MSIX App Attach that was revealed last week. He dives into some thoughts on AppV, MSIX, application layering while providing insight on what may be to come with App Attach and some of its benefits and what his own thoughts are. I won't give away the whole blog post, but it's well worth a read, so check it out. I'll include that link too with this episode, which is episode 72 on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. ZDNet have reported that Microsoft will be rebooting and open sourcing the popular Power Toys feature from Windows 95, obviously with a modernized, fresh UI. It should be interesting and fun to see a Windows 10 Power Toys and what that could bring. The first of the two utilities Microsoft is working on is called MTND, or the Maximize to New Desktop widget. MTND shows a pop-up button when the users hover over the Maximize and Restore button on a window. Clicking it then creates a new desktop, sends the app to that desktop, and maximizes the app on the new desktop. That sounds pretty interesting, and that was actually something that I believe was in one of the earliest preview versions of Windows 10, so it sounds like it might see the light of day again. The second feature scheduled is a Windows key shortcut guide, which appears when the user holds the Windows key down for more than one second. It shows shortcuts available for the current state of the desktop, so it's a contextual shortcut menu. Other utilities Microsoft may release and they want user feedback about include a full window manager, including specific layouts for docking and undocking laptops, keyboard shortcut manager, Win plus R replacement, better all tab functionality including browser tab integration and search for running apps that would be awesome a battery tracker batch file renamer quick resolution swaps in the taskbar and mouse events without focus and now for this episode's hot job this week's hot job is not a specific hot job but really about a company so about three or four weeks ago a company called stripe which shout out to Stripe and Ireland because they've got an office in Dublin. They actually announced that their next office, if you will, is going to actually be a remote hub where all of the employees employed there are going to work remote. So if you're a developer or you're interested in what Stripe can do or if they need support staff for helping out the remote location, check out stripe.com blog remote hub and of course, I will share that link with this episode too. And now this episode's weekly webinar. This week's is actually pretty different. It's not really a webinar. It's Citrix Synergy being shown via Citrix Synergy TV. I read a little back and forth 
that was going on on Twitter between Citrix CTO Christian Riley and VMware's EUC CTO Sean Bass. They were teasing that there may be an announcement coming up, which considering, you know, VMware and Citrix, that has me pretty intrigued and excited. And given this week, we saw Sony and Microsoft teaming up together on gaming. A couple of weeks ago, Microsoft shipped a Linux distro. Are VMware and Citrix going to collaborate together on something big? I hope so. I also saw that James Bulbin was working on something for the event too. So that could be pretty wild. It's going to be worth watching the Synergy keynote, if nothing else this year. I wish it was possible for me to be there this year, but I won't be able to make it. So the next best thing for me is going to be following along on Citrix Synergy TV, and so should you. And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. Jason Samuel just dropped one of the most comprehensive guides I have ever read. This one is a how-to for building a Windows virtual desktop experience properly. He calls it a cheat sheet. But when I think of a cheat sheet, I think like small little nuggets of information that kind of get you started, but don't really you know, spell things out and bring you down the path like the whole way. Whereas this is pretty much a guideline to me, in my opinion, which is awesome. Jason is at an elite level when it comes to VDI, end user experience optimization and security. If you are embarking on a desktop as a service or VDI project, you want to check this out. If you are looking for some hired help for those kinds of projects, Jason and his team at Alchemy are an excellent resource for this. That's it for another week. I'm sorry if my voice is a little bit off. I am sick again. Well, I hope to have the podcast back on track next week, and you can expect me to cover a lot of the highlights from Citrix Energy. Thanks so much for listening.